Hello and welcome back to Real Time Strategy, a podcast all about the gaming industry. I'm one of your hosts, Sam Mosier, joined by my favorite events duo once again, Caitlin Rudwing and Mel Gazassian. Mel, this is the first time I realize I've ever said your name out loud. Caitlin usually hosts when you join us. Did I get that right? You were close. You were close. Okay. Gazazian. What did I get wrong? The thing is, is when I hosted and said her last name, I also said it Gazazian. And then I was like, in my mind, it's I was like, enough. that was not right. <laughs> It's close Zazian. enough. I have no, we not. have like eight different versions of how my last name is said. And honestly, if you just don't add an R, I'm totally cool with it. I've had Gazarian. <laughs> There's no R in my name anywhere. <laughs> so Gazazian, is that yes. right? Okay, yes. cool. I had the A wrong, the A sound. <laughs> but I'm we're, the events team and, and me are here today <laughs> to talk about the Game Awards. Uh, the biggest piece of news of the last week, although gaming news has been surprisingly busy uh, for the end of the year. But Mel and Caitlin were on the ground in L.A., could feel the energy of the Game Awards themselves. So we're excited to dig into it after kind of teasing it and speculating on it speculating on it over our last two episodes um mel and caitlin how are you both doing have you recovered from the, the thrills of the night <laughs> yeah um i definitely took last friday to just like recharge my social batteries and i guess i want to like preface this by like mel and i actually didn't go to the show this year mm -hmm. um we we went last year the show is like if you have the opportunity to, opportunity to go, it's worth it. It's a lot of fun. Um, but this year we actually hosted our own watch party and mixer outside of the event. So we were we were there. We were like at the JW during the day. Had like lunch, met some people, mingled, um, and then had like a bunch of people in the industry join us to like hang out and watch the show right next to the Microsoft Theater. Um, which was just like, that was a lot of fun. And I'm really glad we did that. And I definitely want to do that again in the future. Um, sometimes it's it's just like fun to like talk about the things yeah. while it's happening in the moment. Instead of like sitting there in a seat and you've got to be quiet. Um, there's pros and cons to both. But yeah, definitely like it was a, it was a lot of a lot of talking. We were all really excited about the show. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely needed a day or two to recharge my social batteries mel had another event the next day so i don't know how she did it because i uh was a not like a little hungover on friday but also i was like <laughs> yeah, was a, thursday was a long day um so i definitely needed that day to recover yeah i mean same boat the show itself was so much fun being able to just be with so many different people uh, that you don't get to see very often was obviously like the highlight of the night. Uh, and of course, there was so much happening at the show, around the show. Uh, but yeah, I, I worked the next day at an in-person event in Santa Monica, and that was a lot of fun. But I was definitely, uh, definitely a little pooped after all of it. So I was glad to be in my bed Friday night and not do anything. Yeah, I think yeah. you and I were supposed to do stuff on Friday. We both were like, yeah. Uh, nope, it's not gonna happen. I'm dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't blame you because as someone who watched the Game Awards from, from home, uh, the award show, as much fun as I had, I mean, award shows in general, are kind of exhausting 
enough as they are because they tend to be quite long you know like the oscars famously runs like close to three and a half hours um if you count the pre-show for the game awards it clocks in around then as well and if you throw that into some networking and partying um with other folks that are in la like you both did yeah that would that would tucker me out as well (laughs) i'm glad we're all on the same page and it's funny that we're all like we work in comms but you know what talking to people is really exhausting (laughs) talking to people is hard and for long periods of time but there's only so much so much that can come out of my brain (laughs) until it just like stops making sense and you're just it's just gibberish Um, (laughs) i feel like that even when i'm supposed to be professional and even on the podcast, I'm like, I don't know. I'm just saying things. And until someone <laughs> stops me. That's why the end of show giggles are the best. Every single time. They are. They are. <laughs> end of show giggles are a lot of fun. Well, uh, I agree. Social batteries are a thing. And while our social batteries are still somewhat high, let's get into the main topic of this episode. Mm -hmm. The Game Awards uh, was hosted on Thursday, uh, December 7th, uh, making it sure it wasn't the 8th like last year. Uh, Thursday, December 7th uh, in downtown LA. It was about three and a half hours, again, including the pre-show. And it included... Several game announcements, of course, um, the awards themselves, with Baldur's Gate 3 being the big winner of the night. Um, And, I mean, there's plenty of threads to pull at um, from the Game Awards this year. feel like one of the hottest topics coming off of it were, you know, in the title themselves, the awards, and whether they were given enough stage time. Of course, there were plenty of buzzy announcements, uh, which we'll get into as well. Um, But... Let's start off with just overall thoughts. Uh, Caitlin and Mel, what did you think of the Game Awards this year? Yeah, it's... So I actually had to, like, go and re-watch it just because in the moment during our watch party, like, there were some things, like, I would tune in, then I tuned out, so I didn't get to, like, experience the whole thing. And then once I had, um, I, I definitely understood where a lot of people were coming from, where they were saying, like, just not enough time was given to people who won the awards. And I 100% agree. It like it really was a real shame watching it this year. Like I in years past, I felt like the line was towed and like it wasn't entirely fair even in years past, but I didn't think it was as bad as it was this year. I mean, for like people like to play off Sam Lake or um honestly just to play off anybody when they're talking about like they won this like major award or like Neil Newbin or the Baldur's Gate three team, like talking about like they had team members who passed away and then the music mm-hmm. starts playing to play them off. Like it just, a lot of things that happened last Thursday felt like in very poor taste. Um, and a lot of that was really almost like a spotlight was put on it. It was amplified because we had these like celebrity moments and also like the Hideo Kojima and Jordan Peele moment where it's like all this time was given to them to kind of talk about nothing. Like Hideo Kojima didn't have anything to show really. Like there's a small, the overdose like trailer, but then like they, I don't know, was it eight minutes? Like it was a really long time given to just kind of like talk about nothing. And then you had like, Anthony Mackie, who's like, I love Anthony Mackie. He, I don't remember how many minutes he spent like yelling at the audience to shut up, but like, also, don't heckle. Like, that I, 
I'm sure the heckling was much worse in person, um, but I could tell even just like watching it that like, yeah, people need to shut up. Like, don't be that person in the audience. You're making it terrible for the person on the stage. You're making it terrible for everyone in the audience and everybody watching at home. But like, it just ate up so much time um, that just like, it just didn't make sense. Simu, Simu Liu, like, was talking about why his leg, like his foot injury and like for what like why none of these things had anything to do with the game industry and a night that's supposed to celebrate all of these people who won or who's just not even just won all these people who were nominated or like made these amazing games we had a great year of video games um but there's just like a lack of appreciation for that art form and the people who make it um so that that's my take i i have some like other thoughts um but yeah i just more time needs to be given to the people who win awards i know sam you had pulled the like numbers yeah it was like i can run those off if you'd like me to yeah so of course part of you know because every year there's this kind of bifurcation of awards that get and and that even implies that it's 50 50 and it's never been quite that there are awards that get stage time and the winners get to go up and give their speeches and then there are awards that are for lack of a better term speed run um where jeff or sydney during the pre-show will you know kind of rapid fire read through the nominees and the winner there'll be no time for the um you know for anybody to go up and accept it and and give a you know a thank you speech um, so for reference, there are 32 awards uh, at the Game Awards. Uh, 19 were done rapid fire style this year, and 13 had speeches. Um, now, interestingly, I because I as we'll kind of dig into part of my reaction to the Game Awards this year was that I feel like it's kind of par for the course because last year I remember you know similarly discussing this topic and I went to some reporting from the guardian in 2022 and 20 of the awards were rapid fire as opposed to 19 this year. But of course, I think part of the breaking point for a lot of people being frustrated by that this year was that even though technically one more award was given stage time, the stage time was drastically cut short. Um, Last year, of course, there was this slightly memeable moment of Christopher judge going up and accepting the best performance award at the top of the show. And he gave a seven minute plus speech, mm-hmm. um, which in, you know, we're often award shows are pretty scripted and very scheduled. Like it was kind of an endearing moment for like something so clearly off book to go down, but the not response per se, but you know, the way to mitigate that happening this year was that, a music cue started only 30 seconds into uh, the winner's speeches. And as Caitlin noted, it very awkwardly cut off some very heartfelt speeches from Neil Newbun. Um, sorry if I pronounced that last name incorrectly. Um, Baldur's Gate 3 won Game of the Year, and they later tweeted uh, that they were supposed to announce uh, the available now uh, for the Xbox Series X and S version of that game. But given that their speech time was so short uh they didn't have time to remember that they had to do that so uh that's i think the straw that broke the camel's back this year mel what did you think of the awards this year yeah i i'm in the same boat with the both of you it really was unfortunate to just see how much 
the show is supposed to be a celebration of the games industry. It's supposed to be a celebration of everything that was done. And yet we didn't really get the chance to celebrate in the way that, you know, the game awards are kind of hyped to be. Um, A lot of what I saw afterwards was that folks were generally feeling the energy in the uh, theater slowly decline as the show was going on to the point where folks really weren't cheering on their favorite games with the incredible Philharmonic there to do their their annual score. So it was just like, I don't know, really unfortunate to see. And if you've been to the Game Awards, you know that, you know, where Jeff is doing this announcement right here is a stage off to the side. And for the folks that got to accept an award on this stage or like the, the Muppet that was on this stage, right? You get to see <laughs> all of that, but it's very pushed off. So it's even like, you know, while we want to give these rapid fire awards a place, they're still kind of offset. Uh, and it's, it's, it really is just unfortunate because these games and these awards, they're hard earned. People get excited when they get nominated. And it's really exciting to see like our clients come to us and be like, how can we, you know, make the most out of this? We're so pumped. Uh, and we want, you know, not only for our clients, but for just the entire industry to feel that level of recognition in the way that the game awards are aiming to be. I just think that with last year, it was really, oh, this is a lesson that we need to learn. This is something that we kind of need to uh, work around this year. And while there was kind of a playful joke when Christopher Judge got on stage immediately, like, oh, he's going to deliver this whole thing. There was a lot of pacing issues that could have been solved uh, otherwise. Like it, it didn't have to be 30 seconds. And it just, I don't know, it's, it makes you like really sad because you don't want that anybody as a viewer as a fan and as somebody who works in the industry like you want to sit there and be excited to be at the game awards and be excited for the folks that are sitting there literally in tears over the fact that they won an award um so it's it's a shame but i think jeff and the game awards team will take away better learnings from this and they'll continue to improve it's just you know, how much of that actually feeds into next year is, is what we're going to have to see. Yeah. So, I, I want to. On that, are we uh, going to pull up Jeff's response? <laughs> oh, no, you go actually go ahead and read Jeff's response before I talk. Yeah. Um, just to interject real quickly, like um, Mel said, of course, you know, we'll have to see exactly what the response and, you know, tweaking of the awards time acceptance time is next year. Um, but Jeff did tweet after the awards. Uh, By the way, I do agree that the music was played too fast for award winners this year. And I asked our team to relax that rule as the show went on. Well, no one was actually cut off. It's something to address going forward. Um, so, you, you know, at least that was heard. Although I will note, as you know, some journalists, you know, shared photos or reported on, there was a big teleprompter that showed, uh, "Please wrap it up." Um, you know, even if the the music was delayed. So, um, you know, interested to see how that plays out next year. But Caitlin, as you were saying, I was just gonna say, I was like, I I appreciated Jeff's response, um, and just also there's a lot of appreciation still for Jeff Keeley and the team, and just like I can only imagine how much work it is to pull off an awards show at this level. And I like, I know they're not purposely being like, we're not going to allow people to like have like acceptance speeches. And we just like, they don't want to screw anybody over. They're just, they are learning as they go along. And like, I'm hopeful that they learn from this and more time is 
given so that people can give their award speeches. Cause like one of the best things about award shows, and if you don't like award shows, like to each their own, that is okay. <laughs> I personally love award shows and that is because of the speeches. Like mm-hmm. I can't tell you, there are many Oscar speeches that like have moved me to tears over the years and like, and game award speeches or just like there are many moments in time where I, I love listening to people who are so passionate about the thing that they work on. And it has inspired me to go and like watch that thing or play that game or honestly, maybe want to work in that industry. I know there are tons of people who work in video games because they heard someone talk about it who was passionate Mm -hmm. and they're like, I want to feel that passion about something. Like I, I have an idea. I want to make this thing. And then they go and do it. And when you don't get that, like during an award show, it's almost like, what is the point? You might as well have just given all of the awards like rapid fire off screen. And like, no one wants that. Um, so I, yeah, I just like, I know that there, there has to be like, ads and like showcases like someone has to pay for this this award show (laughs) it costs a lot of money to run i get that i don't have any problems with the ads it is just the the balance and the lack of time and appreciation given to the people who make these things is what doesn't sit well with me yeah so as i was you know hinting at earlier about my your reaction to this, which was kind of a, a, a non-reaction because we, and I totally understand the frustrations because uh, it is frankly like, uh, it's disappointing that it, you know, it is called the game awards and the awards get so little stage time. But like at the end of the day, like Jeff is creating what is a piece of entertainment. Um, and like you said, Caitlin, like he's still trying to find that balance between um, something that, I mean, to my understanding, is probably the most watched award show across all industries. Like last year's Game Awards hit 103 um, million live streams, whereas like the Oscars continue to decline. And I think he is trying to find that scale balance between, you know, getting your average consumer and game fan to tune in and check out, you know, what is coming in the next calendar year or years. Um, as well as seeing their favorite games win. And um, admittedly, like, you know, the push and pull of a video games award show. And, you know, I think everybody's hope, understandably, is that Jeff can use this show to make names out of developers. But admittedly, like, seeing a game developer give a speech is not the same as watching, like, you know, best actor, actress, except that doesn't have necessarily the same audience pull. So I that is obviously the tension driving the programming of the show. Yeah. I I almost wonder if, if maybe the game awards turns into like a two day event, like what it's, we go back to it being a showcase, not back to it, but doing like the opening night live or like the summer, actually the summer games fest, like model where it's like, you've got one day and it's like, okay, we're showing off all these like things that are up and coming And then you have an award show like the next day where it's just that award show is funded by the, the, um, the showcase the day before, like maybe, maybe it has to be split up. Maybe it just like is too difficult to balance it because of how much money it costs to put on an award show at the Microsoft theater or like just in LA or 
I, I don't know. Um, I, I don't, I'm not a finance person and I don't have the numbers in front of me to be able to tell you like if that's the best idea. Um, but I think something needs to change. I would like to see it change. If it doesn't, I think it will continue to drop viewership and people will still engage with it. But I think a lot of excitement is going to die down when it comes at a, from the industry point of view. Um, and like, gosh, I this might even be going like too far into it. But at a time where like people are online and like there's a lot of... Um, lot of hostility towards developers and i feel like people have just kind of lost sight that like there are real people behind these games if we don't have a stage to show these people for people to like actually care you you shouldn't need that but i'm just saying like (laughs) my observations of society as a whole and people online like i think they they need to know who Who's who's Sam Lake? Like, who's this weird guy dancing on stage right now? Like, made a really weird game. Like, let him talk about this fantastic piece of art that he made with like with his team. Let them show appreciation. Um, and also, like, I I know the Bill Clinton kid thing happened last year, and because of that, only two people were allowed on stage, like when they won awards. I believe it was just I believe it's just two people. Like, oh, come on, you've like something something needs to change there because whole teams put this on there like i i love seeing like at the oscars when like all of the actors and the writers and director and like everybody's on stage together and they get to celebrate together and you get to see that like there's just that humanity is lost when it's like okay you now have to choose just two people to mm-hmm. go up there and accept game of the year um yeah. or w- which whichever award um so that's a very long-winded spiel i like just i would like to see some change happen with with the show yeah i think that's a really good point like we we recommend folks do interviews all the time because you get to see the excitement from the developers themselves and like putting that FaceTime with the devs, putting them out there can be like a very nerve wracking thing, of course. But like the second people get to see just who the person behind the game is, or once you put a name to the face, like you get to be that much more excited about that person's work because they love it so much. And like, that's definitely one of the biggest things that gets taken away when you only limit it to two people. I think when they did game of the year, they did pan to the rest of the Baldur's Gate 3 team, but I don't think that was enough. Like you could see the emotional response uh, from the dedication of the award, but only having so many people on stage and having them have to just sit there and kind of rely on each other while sitting in their seats and watching their colleagues up on stage accept this award on behalf of everybody at the team. Like it's just one of those moments where you know it would have just been that much more heartfelt to have all that. Yeah. Like it's, it really is beautiful to see all of them stand and like be excited, but you could have seen that on stage in such just like a, a more heartfelt heartwarming way. Um, so it's a shame, but I think there's a lot to be learned here. And I think uh, there's going to be some more improvements and I'm excited to see what Jeff does next year. Like I, I am constantly in awe by him and his team and how they continue to put on events that have 
performances and have celebrity appearances. Like Matthew McConaughey was not on my bingo card for the Game Awards this year. And that was a pleasant (laughs) surprise. But again, there's that balance of, you know, if he is trying to drive some more of that mainstream audience, how do you do that in a way that's both productive to the industry itself and to folks who are getting into video games potentially for the first time? I, I would like to know the numbers of like, who is that mainstream audience, people who don't care about games? Because I can't imagine anybody tuning into the Game Awards who just genuinely doesn't care about video games. No one's tuning in to hopefully see Matthew McConaughey come on stage. <laughs> Maybe a handful are going because Timothy Chalamet was announced. And I did I did guess. I was like, I, I thought Timothy Chalamet would show up. Um, never in a million years would I have guessed that Timothy Chalamet would be the one presenting Game of the Year. Because that doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense in any any timeline. Like, I, I don't understand that choice. That one just, like, oh, really grinds my gears. Because, like, <laughs> you, there were so many people in that audience who are, like, legendary in the games industry mm-hmm. that could have given over, like, the game of the year. I, I think it's, is it tradition for, like, the people who, the someone who won the pre- game of the year the previous year winner at least at the oscars yeah. it is yeah yeah so like i don't know maybe someone from the elden ring team didn't want to do it that's fine there were other options that like i just i just don't understand like you're like oh i won game of the year the person who handed over to me was like some white skinny kid who i've i think i've seen before on tv i don't know like many of them probably don't know who timothy chalamet is and that's fine because he's not in the games industry at least yet he, maybe he's showing up in a hideo uh kojima thing since we saw the photo of him with with him but like we don't know that and it just yeah. doesn't make any sense yeah like, don't don't have celebrities for the sake of having celebrities if you need celebrities and want them there like it have it make sense and have it be someone who's like passionate. Like there, there are celebrities there who like I'm totally fine having there. Like I like like Simu Liu. Like that's fine. Like I don't mind. Um, Matthew McConaughey. He's in a video game, which was part of like that was announced the Exodus game that was the trailer mm-hmm. was revealed and he came on stage. That makes sense. Cool. Have fun with that. Um, Others, it's just like, why? Al Pacino last year? Why? Al Pacino didn't even know why he was there. He said that on stage, came out, and he's like, what am I doing here? I I don't know, Al. (laughs) Yeah. To quote, um, I'm reading from uh, Rick Lane at Rock Paper Shotgun, who put together kind of a a summary of all the criticism of this year's show. Um, But I'll only read from um, developer Josh Scheuer, who was the director of Pentiment, um, which was, I believe, nominated for a Game uh, Game Award last year, or at the very least, on several Best Game of the Year lists in 2022. Uh, And he tweeted, uh, This year's The Game Awards is an embarrassing indictment of a segment of the industry desperate for validation via star power with little respect for the devs it's supposedly honoring. I mean, I think that's understandably the most critical way to frame this year's awards of like giving more stage time for Jordan Peele or Anthony Mackie or Timothy Chalamet uh, than the actual devs winning. Um, So... All that criticism is fair, although not to to counter that at all, because he's 
totally fair and right. But uh, anecdotally, I will say I was able to convince some people to come over and watch it who don't care about games because I told them <laughs> Timothy Chalamet would be on stage. So, I mean, that's the push and pull of this. And, and I don't know, like, you know, one take from this that I, again, kind of summarizes my, my non-reaction to all of this was from Jeff Grubb of Giant Bomb, uh, who tweeted... I don't want to say that we shouldn't criticize the Game Awards. We should. I just think it's maybe more useful to question its importance in the first place. A guy just decided to hand out trophies. We don't have to take it seriously as a default. <laughs> um, and like, if anything, a reaction from this is like, let's give more attention to the Dice Awards and to the BAFTAs. Awards yeah. that do give lots of stage time and attention um, to the winners and are all and solely about um, celebrating the devs who brought us the best games of the that year, or at least in the case of those awards, because they happen, in my opinion, rightfully in the early part of the next year, uh, you know, the last year. So that's why, like, you know, I kind of see the Game Awards as like our, our Golden Globes. I love the Golden Globes. I don't like the, <laughs> the Hollywood Foreign Press, Press Association, but I like no. watching celebrities get drunk and, you know, celebrate comedies that won't get nominated at the Oscars. Like, right. I think the Game Awards are fun, um, but I understand people wanting to use their platform to highlight devs because it is the most watched thing in the games industry when it comes to recognition. Yeah. And I it think really part is of it is, Globes. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. that was just really funny. I like, I just think folks have gotten used to it being the culmination of the end of the year too. Like it genuinely is the time where folks fly into LA mostly to see each other. So I think if it is a two day event, people are going to be in town anyhow. Like we're going to be celebrating together. There's going to be events that are circulating around LA during this time period because folks just come in. So I think because it equates like that, like it's just this fun time to be together and to add the game awards to it, a place where we can get dressed up, a place where we can have, again, Alyssa Mercante pop off with the, uh, the games industry actually showing up this year with their fits. Like stuff like that is fun. And I don't think we necessarily have another opportunity like that for the industry to come together as a whole. I think, you know, it, it is a good time and, and that's part of the appeal, but agree that like, if it is going to be the game awards where we celebrate all of the games that came out this year, something needs to be different. One last take kind of piggybacking on both of your thoughts on whether it's a two night thing, how can we spotlight the awards more? Um, Brian Altano of IGN, he's a host there, um, tweeted, um, last thing I'll say about the Game Awards this year, I truly think the best way to make the show work for everyone is to split into two parts and air them back to back. First half, award show with acceptance speeches. Second half, trailers, celebs, reveals, ETC. Um, mm. I, I, you know, there's a, a point to, especially given that, like, again, I think Jeff is improving the programming of the Game Awards every year. I mean, like, we are... I think all of the criticisms this year are valid, but we are far away from the years of the Shik Hydrobot. Um, so, you know, let's not forget that. Um, so, and he, you know, the show has also gotten tighter and I wish that hadn't come at the expense of speeches this year, um, but it is not, it are, at least doesn't feel as long as years prior. Um, so, like, I'd like to think there is a world where, especially like, you know, you're already paying for the, does he host it in the Microsoft Theater? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Um, yeah. You have it for the night. Like the first hour or first hour and a half is the awards. And yeah, maybe like the ads during that get sold at a lower price because maybe, you know, statistically or 
or the the analytics show that not as many people will tune in, but at least they happen. And the people like us, and you guys are both right. There are plenty of people who do care to tune in and watch that. And then like, boom, 8.30 Central Time, 6.30 Pacific Time. That's when the 2024 and beyond showcase starts. Um, yeah. And it's all in one night and everyone can be there for it, but everybody gets their due. I don't know. I almost think, think you have to swap that the order of events just because like to get people in the seats mm. like have them show the trailers first i don't know maybe that's worse because then you go into like giving out awards and people are leaving the theater it's also it's a really long time to have to be sitting in your seat like yeah. if you're yeah. talking about doing it into two parts like you're you're adding at least another hour like that's that's four and a half hours you just that is super long um an intermission so, period. Come on now. <laughs> I, I, I know. Your but gamer theme drinks. Yeah, and then but it's like then how much? God, how much more money are you spending to be? Yeah. No, you're you're right. That day? Though they probably already have it for the whole day. I'm not sure. Um, but that that is something to think about, and I I could see that working. I just think there's some some things you got to work out there. Um, but yeah, just. Give give more time to the awards. Don't have best indie game in your pre-show. Sorry, I'm was a I won't go on another tangent, but that like ah oh, like what a what a great award. Like Sea of Stars, this team made this game. Here I am going on my tangent. During like the <laughs> pandemic, like and they didn't even they weren't even given the stage to talk about it. I just I it like just does not sit right with me. Um so I don't know. Restructure the show. Um, yeah. I don't think a lot of the awards that are in the rapid fire deserve to be. In, I don't think any award deserves to be in the rapid fire um, par- portion anyways. It's just I don't I don't think it works. Or if you're going to do that, yeah. don't give segments to the Muppets again, just for the sake of having the Muppets. Like I liked when Beaker was there. Like it is cool. We don't need the Muppets every year. We don't need to always have a Muppet segment. <laughs> Why? What is our obsession with the Muppets? Why? I don't happening? understand. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I don't so, I'm but sorry. Like, yeah, I'm like sorry, Sam's... Gonzo. But I also would have rather yeah, seen Salvatore so... Studios except Best Indie Game. Yeah. So sorry, Gonzo. Um, maybe next year. Uh, maybe there'll be a Muppet game, and then you give us can, a Muppets like, game, ex- and then they can accept. Yeah. Then it and makes then, sense. And then we'll give time to like a, a <laughs> puppet to accept an award, and not people. Sorry, that was a little. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I still love the game awards. I think there's a lot of great things. Um, especially like, I mean, yeah, announcements are a lot of fun. Awards are great. I, I guess we didn't even talk about people who really won, but like, I'm so happy for Baldur's Gate three, and that entire team just what a triumph of a game i'm really happy for them i know like that whole team is probably ecstatic and still riding that high as they should um but yeah i'm just really glad to see them take that and yeah i there wasn't really any award that i was like oh that's not deserved like the thing about this award show is they're all deserved of it mm-hmm. uh, deserving yeah i mean hell of a year right like you know yeah. and i don't think you could really go wrong. Zelda took home best action adventure game. Uh, Alan Wake took home best art direction, best game direction, and uh, best narrative. Um, Larian also won best RPG, best community support. They were the big winner of the night. They took home six awards. Uh, Super yep. Mario Brothers Wonder took home best family game. Uh, Cocoon won Hi- best debut indie. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hi-Fi Rush. 
Hi-Fi um, Rush for best audio, best audio design. Right. And I'm presented so by Zed. So happy for that one. Yeah. <laughs> that is, I think, the only celebrity uh, presenter that made sense to me because Zed at least is in the music space. He was uh, at the Diablo like launch party event. Like it, he had some sort of relevancy for this year. But that is literally the only one that I was like, okay, Zed, giving this one away, fine, fair, I understand, I accept. <laughs> A couple other rapid fire ones. Uh, Final Fantasy sixteen took best score in music. Um, you can't go wrong with Final Fantasy music. At the end of the day. Uh, Tachia uh, won for games for Impact. Cyberpunk 2077 won for best ongoing game. Um, and, you know, we can go on and on. But like, I mean, again, great year for games. Um, and yeah, just hopefully next year we get all those winners getting a bit more time on stage. But with that being said, are we are we ready to discuss about, you know, what did ultimately take up more stage time at the Game Awards, which are the announcements? <laughs> Yeah, but we'll yes. take up like less time of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's us trying to, you know, pay it forward. <laughs> watch watch it not happen and I go on for an hour about Hellblade 2. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, what was everybody's favorite announcement? Caitlin, do you want to kick us off with uh with, with Senua Saga? So, what's the is it Hellblade 2 colon Senua Saga or Senua Saga no, colon it's Hellblade Sen- 2? It's Senua Saga colon Hellblade 2. <laughs> okay. Um which God, is that how the first game was? It was Senua's. I want to say it was Hellblade so. Senua's Sacrifice. Yeah, I actually think it was split up. Maybe it isn't. Maybe I have it wrong in my notes. Anyways, it's Senua's Saga, Hellblade 2, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you had it right. Ninja it's, Theories. It's Senua's Saga first. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's Ninja Theories um, sequel to. Yeah, Senua's like Sacrifice, Hellblade 1, which is just one of my all time favorite games ever. Oh, the, like we're watching the trailer right now um, on the video portion. It like gives me chills seeing this trailer. It looks so goddamn good. Um, but yeah, like the the first trailer for Hellblade 2 we saw at the Game Awards four years ago. I think it was mm-hmm. part of the like Xbox Series X kind of announcement. Um, I think we thought it was going to come out with the launch of the console. That definitely did not happen. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're, we see throughout this trailer and other little clips we've seen over the years, Senua was, she's kind of returning on a journey of survival through like Viking Iceland with like, there's mythology and like torment and she's intent on saving those who have like fallen victim to the horrors of tyranny while also overcoming like the darkness within her. If you've played the first game, you'd be familiar, but Senua is a Celtic warrior fighting her way through hell. Um, she also has experiences symptoms of psychosis. As So as you play her, you kind of hear voices throughout, uh, basically the voices in her head that are kind of depicting her anxiety and insecurities and all these things, um, while also like she sometimes experiences like almost complete distortions from reality. You can kind of see that in the trailer as you're watching where like some scenes don't look like real life. Like she's in this like liminal space. Um, that's often a symptom of her psychosis. And yeah, the, the way like describing that game that you would think like there's so many ways that this team could go about it incorrectly and wrong. Um, 
but something I highly recommend people watching if you have the first game in the like main menu, Ninja Theory actually put out a documentary on how they like worked with Cambridge professors and psychosis patients in the hopes to like help players understand psychosis through the gameplay. Um, and it's just, it's honestly brilliant um, how they pull it off. And there's just so much care in that game. Like I'm not a huge horror game person though. I'm, I think I'm kind of becoming one. It's I want <laughs> to start dabbling more into it. Um, so I don't even know what got me to pick up this game all those years ago to begin with, but I'm so happy I did. It's one that you have to play with headphones with like 360 audio. Um, that is that the main strength of Hellblade is the audio design. And watching the second trailer, we kind of hear like chanting and music and voices. And I, I know it's that's going to carry on in the second game. Um, I'm not sure to what extent. I'm not sure where Senua is at, like with her psychosis. I didn't see as many like visual depictions in this trailer. I'm not sure if that's purposeful. Um, but yeah, this like I went. I saw this when we had our watch party and got really excited, but I was like just too overwhelmed in the moment. And then I rewatched it uh, yesterday and I cried <laughs> because it just looks so good and I cannot wait to play it. Um, it's probably my most like anticipated game just in general. So it was, that was my favorite trailer of the night was seeing more of that and knowing it's going to come out uh, next year, 2024. Not sure win but we're we're given a year so i'll take that <laughs> yeah one of a few moments of the show that i i did the 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 meme i can't believe this is gameplay like i can't believe oh, we've gotten here yeah. graphically uh it looks incredible even i mean hellblade uh so that one had hellblade first fun fact this one has hellblade after the title anyway yeah. um so hellblade senua's sacrifice that one looked unreal this just cool to see them now under the you know microsoft's umbrella uh get to see the full vision of what this world and character can be because hellblade um one was for, for lack of a better term a, a budget title it was download only it wasn't yeah. full price um and I mean, to my understanding, this is going to be a, a full $70 release. And I, I can't think of the last time a game franchise has had that trajectory. Um, so I, I'm just really excited to see what like a full AAA vision of, of Hellblade is. Yeah, Hellblade 1 was made with a team of about 20 developers. Um, Hellblade 2 has at least in 2019, it was 40 in total. Okay. Um, so I'm I'm not sure if that has grown since then, but I, I the team is at least twice as big, and yeah, has mm -hmm. like the support from Microsoft. They are given the time to really make this game. Um, like you said, it'll be a seventy dollars game. I think it's also launching on Game Pass though. So if you have Game Pass, that is a that is a must. You should pick it up. I wonder if Hellblade One is on there. I actually it had is. Hellblade on PlayStation when I first played. Okay. I remember seeing it earlier this year, and I remember folks speculating that we were going to get the sequel uh, later this year, or at least some sort of announcement for it. 
And I went to play the first one, and I am a baby when it comes to horror games. So I couldn't actually withstand the game myself. I think it just, it's one of those games where I am okay with watching somebody else play it uh, and exploring the world with them. But I don't think I could do that okay. one solo just because it's like, uh, it's it can be a lot. And I literally wrote down in my notes, this is going to mess with my head when yeah. I was watching the uh, trailer for the first time. I I want to replay the first one because it's been like five plus years since I've played it. Um, maybe I'll like stream it on Discord or something you could, or like you can come over and watch me play it if you so wish to. I will be um, under a blanket <laughs> watching. <laughs> it's, it's not like, uh, I there are scary moments, but it's just like, it's not like these weird, like jump scary. It, it doesn't feel like a horror game to me when I'm playing it. It's just kind of like, I don't know. I think it's just because there's so much, the story has such a, there's such an emphasis on the story and knowing that like not everything that's happening is actually like, she's not actually mm -hmm. seeing it. I think there's a line in the first game where it's like the strongest, um, oh, the strongest something to, overcome is actually in your head the strongest battles to overcome are in your head not physical which is like a whole like uh theme of the game so there's there's just so much emotional weight to it that i almost like the horror stuff kind of just bleeds away <laughs> i just like i care so much about her that i'm like i just have to get you through this moment um and it doesn't feel like me i don't know maybe that's the third person thing again i haven't played enough horror games to figure out what what works with me and what doesn't because I feel like I'm also a giant baby when it comes to horror games <laughs> but for some reason this game works yeah <laughs> Mel what was uh what was a highlight from you for you from the show um so I have two the first being um tales of oh what was it tales of Kinzera um yes. and Zao. that yeah. Zao yes I was just like so emotional watching um I wanna I don't want to butcher his name, Abu Abu Bakar Salim, mm -hmm. uh who voiced in Assassin's Creed. This yeah. whole I'm a sucker for games that mean a lot to you, one, as as somebody who is creating it. But hearing the story as like honoring his father, um I just know that it's going to be one of those games that is is just going to make my heart feel all of the things while also being extremely fun to play. Like it looks beautiful. It looks so colorful and it's going to be such a powerful game. And I, I have a feeling it's going to resonate with a lot of people. So I'm really excited. I actually have that one pre-ordered already. It is um, a lot more affordable than I was expecting it to be just based on what this game looks like. I thought it was going to be a little bit more pricey, but uh, it's, I think it's only like 18, $20, something like that. So Definitely oh. uh, a must pick up on my end for sure. Um, and then the second one that I have is Light No oh, Fire. Can I, can, I, can I talk a yes. little bit about the Tales of Kinzara Zao yes. first? So Abu Bakar Salim, he he voiced Bayek in Assassin's Creed Origins. He also is like, he's a very notable like voice actor. He voices actors in Diablo 4 and World of Warcraft. Um, I, I don't think you mentioned this, but this is actually his first project. He started yes. a studio called Surgeon Studio. So this is their first title. Um, in the game, if you are just listening, it is a Metroidvania game. And it's really about, like you said, like it's about the 
the transformative power of loss. And it's a very personal story about like losing his father and all this stuff. So definitely recommend going to watch that trailer. The visuals are really impactful. I really loved the music throughout it. Um, and actually just like all of the sound, but yeah. So just a little bit more of who, um, Abu Bakr is and why this is kind of like it's a title to keep your eye on it's a it's their first the first game from the studio and yeah I'm I'm looking forward to it as well if you're uh, interested in learning more about it uh, Ali Welsh at Polygon had an interview with Abu Bakr about um, how he fell in love with gaming through his dad and how it led him you know from his acting career into voice acting and now making games uh, a great read I'll link to it to it in the, in the description uh, but yeah, I mean, cool to see uh, EA Originals pick this one up um, mm-hmm. and, in you know, I'm sure partly help get it, um, you know, stage time at the Game Awards. It looks great. Love the animation. It reminds me of uh, the Ori games. Um, yes, just the vibrancy and the color, the animation, like, ta- yeah, I, I'm shocked this is the studio's first game. It, like, looks like people have been, like, working on 2D platformers forever. So, yeah, uh, add that to my list as well. Yeah. What was your is other game, it, Mel? Oh, yeah, Caitlin. I was going to say, is it, what is it called when it's like, it's like 2D, but also 3D? Because you know what I mean? Like, it's not like, a, it's not like a perfect, like 2D, like there's a, there is a background and a foreground. And I uh, totally. I know some people just call it 2.5D, <laughs> but okay, there's okay. also isometric. Um so I don't think it's, I mean, I would say it's a bit 2.5D, but I don't know. I'm excited for it. In that interview with uh, Welsh, um, Abu Bakar was saying how Metroidvanias work as a metaphor for grief because it's all mm-hmm. about progressing and then regressing, like returning to places you've been before and with a new understanding or perspective than you had before, which is something I would never really thought of before, but is genius. So yeah, uh, Check that out and check out the game. Yeah, that comes out in April, on April 23rd. And I think, honestly, on the perfect platform to start with, with the Nintendo Switch, and it's available on all consoles, but that is going to be a game that I will so thoroughly enjoy playing on my Switch. It just feels feels right for that platform. <laughs> um, the second game that I had was uh, Light No Fire, the sequel to No Man's Sky. Uh, the first thoughts that I had there was, you can ride a dragon, uh, I can be a bunny and I want to be in this environment. It is just, I I am obsessed with how No Man's Sky looks. It is one of those games where you hop in there and I like, you'll get lost in the best way possible. It's environments like this that make me that much more excited about games, make me that much more excited about like fantastical genres as a whole. Um, and no Man's Sky is one of my favorite games that I got to play over the last couple of years that I was not expecting to be a favorite game of mine. Um, it's beautiful. It's colorful, but it's also like that that level of, I think, exploration that I wanted out of a game like Horizon Zero Dawn that I didn't get. And uh, this just has that that extra like playful element to it that I am I am just so pumped for. You can yeah. ride a hummingbird. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not just dragons, it's hummingbirds. But yeah, I, this one, oh, this one I, as many people probably do, I have conflicted feelings on. 
as we know, Hello Games has <laughs> overpromised on games before because we all remember, or maybe you don't, like No Man's Sky did not have a great reception at launch. It yeah. felt very empty because they were overly ambitious in what they were trying to do and they had to release the game and they have been spending seven seven years i believe it i believe it's been seven years since no man's sky came out um just improving that game um i oh i don't know if they mentioned it or if i'm just thinking that they've been working on this game for five years i might they have okay i then i did read that somewhere um so i don't know but yeah already they're like it's the world is the size of earth is what they've said like it's not earth it's just a planet the size of earth that you can go and explore it's an open world game um you're exploring building surviving like i believe with friends but it can also be played single player um it it looks very cool the variety of characters and the flying mounts and the environments all being different there's that weird thing in the sky um (laughs) (laughs) we're watching the trailers as i'm talking but like yeah it looks really cool um i'm just i'm a little scared i'm i know they have probably learned their lesson and are probably (laughs) pretty confident but it's hard it's hard to trust a developer when you you've been down this path before and this is a very ambitious game yeah I'm I'm reading from uh, Andrew Webster at The Verge. Uh, Light No Fire is a massive universe. Oh, well, so sorry. Whereas No Man's Sky, Hello Games' previous game, offers a massive universe of different planets to explore. This game is focused on a single incredibly detailed world. According to Sean Murray, the game has been in development for the last five years by a small team. And he described it as, quote, the first real open world with no boundaries. Uh, so, yes, I... Caitlin, I understand your <laughs> totally earned skepticism of whether he can own up to that. Um, but as someone who does enjoy what I, I sometimes refer to as di- director bullshit, uh, like the same kind of camp that like, you know, David Fincher will make a movie called The Killer that's really just like an analogy about his work style, uh, Fincher's. I think because they preceded this trailer for Light No Fire with a supercut of basically no man's sky's apology to her it was like here's how we launched and like look at how we've made it up to you since then and and now frankly been one of the greatest comeback stories in yeah this era of game you know live service games i and he's he's leaning into it i don't know if you guys i was just gonna say i just pulled up his twitter account because i thought about it i was like oh you know what sean murray probably is very aware and has probably tweeted he has been tweeting memes there's like the whole there's the walter white meme where like he's like screaming at the car and and somebody captured like no sean murray don't overpromise again no sean don't and he quoted and goes like first time huh like (laughs) we'll see i mean of course like infamously like peter molyneux uh is an industry figure who became you know notorious for overpromising about his games and it became like a pattern and and a meme We'll see if if Sean Murray is following in his footsteps or if, you know, he can own it. But I, given all the flack and the pain that came with No Man's Sky, I certainly think that this is going to be what we're looking at. Um, and I'm excited. Light No Fire looks yeah. amazing and like a weird sci-fi fantasy 
you know, stew that's right up my alley. So someone goes, sorry, his Twitter is just making me laugh now. You have the opportunity to do both the funniest and most disastrous <laughs> thing you could possibly do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. The flashbacks yeah, uh, are Sean, real, but... Sean Murray, like I, I, I really want to trust you because I do. I love where no man's sky is right now. Um, but I've been burned before. It's hard to like yeah. let that go. And mostly just because like I want it for them. That's a good one. The iCarly meme. Yeah. <laughs> that one's funny. He's got a sense of humor. You've got he does have a sense he, of humor. That team went through hell for a very long time. So um I I'm really wishing them all the best. I, I hope Light No Fire is a smashing hit and I'll be I'll probably be picking it up day one as well. Um, a couple I will hi- highlight. Yeah, you guys have nailed you guys like those three were on my list. Um, the remaining three that I definitely wanted to highlight uh, one real quickly. I-, I said like games that gave me the whole I can't believe uh, this is real. Uh, that Jurassic Park survival. Yes. I believe that oh is my the, gosh, it's yeah. a Jurassic Park. Just confirming yep. the subtitle. Yes. Survival. Yep. Um, it's coming from Saber Interactive, which recently released the Texas Chainsaw Massacre game, which got good reviews. Um, this was like a two-minute, kind of like greatest hit supercut of the original Jurassic Park with a new character. And my my watch party the whole time was like, is this like an Until Dawn style kind of choose your own adventure game? Because this looks just like unreal. Mm-hmm. Um, and we didn't know exactly what it was. Is this just like a commercial for a mobile game? And then it cuts at the very end to gameplay. And it is a first person action adventure horror game. The devs are saying that alien isolation is their main source of inspiration. And as someone who indulges, we're watching gameplay right now in every piece of Jurassic park media, no matter how good or bad I am in. Yeah. (laughs) This is the, like, we're back to the original park. I yeah. This is the game that I think everybody who's a fan of the original Jurassic Park movies has been wanting for decades. Like, I, watching this, my brain, like, I couldn't believe it was actually real. Also, the, the character we're following, she kind of looks like a female Jeff Goldblum. Like, I, I kind of <laughs> love it. Um, I see like, it. It just, yeah, but they had, like... It had some really good, like, recreating scenes from the original movie and, like, really awesome shots. We saw the, the, um, oh my gosh, not the Jeep, the, um, is it a Ford? Why can I not remember what that oh, car is? Oh, yeah, the four, the four by, the four wheeler. I the forget four, what, yeah, the, the four by is. four. Yeah, the, yeah. I, that might be wrong. I'm not a car person, okay? <laughs> it's um, okay, neither am I. <laughs> we see the, the T Rex shot there, like, Oh, it looks so cool. I'm excited for this. Um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I liked at launch. I think it has struggled a little bit since launch, just with like um, new content being released. But this is kind of a, this is a different game since it's a single player survival game. I'm pretty sure we'll just have the full game at launch. So my concerns there don't really transfer over. Um, but yeah, that's that's gonna be a fun one. That's a good, a good point. point. I didn't about- realize that. Um, I you didn't realize it. that this was the original park because I had played Lego Jurassic World. 
And that was fun from a Lego perspective, (laughs) right? So now I'm just that much more excited knowing that this is the original park. And like, I I remember I looked at Caitlin and I was like, is this the Raptor movie? She was like, no, no, it isn't. And I went and I rewatched it and I was like, oh my God. So I'm, I'm that much more excited. But again, I am a baby when it comes to horror movies. So, um, I'm sorry, horror games. So I am, I am looking forward to what this game is going to look like. And uh, <laughs> it, it's extremely cinematic as it is. So like I can already, I can, the cutscenes are going to be great. Uh, and I'm just, I don't know. I'm curious as to what the actual game looks like at the end of the day. Like yeah. once people get into it. I, I also wonder, cause so there was actually that shot that we just saw where the Raptor steps on Dr. Grant, Dr. Alan Grant's hat. I'm pretty sure that that is his hat that they're referencing. Um, I wonder if this game is taking place simultaneously with the movie and we're just following a different character. So I wonder if like the main characters from the movies are going to show up in some way. Um, Could it but- be Jeff Goldblum's kid? <laughs> That's <laughs> funny. Universe? <laughs> That's the premise uh, yeah, alternate of alternate uh- universe. <laughs> Alien Isolation, uh, you follow Ripley's daughter. Um, yes. So that'd be funny if this is Goldblum's daughter. But uh, the developers did say that this takes place immediately after the events of the first movie. I guess okay. probably supposedly mm-hmm. like somebody who got left behind. Um, which like, hey, that's a that's a hell of a premise, even if, you know, maybe like narratively it doesn't make sense. But I'm in. Yeah. I, I don't need it to make narrative sense. Like, no. just, like this could just be like a really, this is like a fun playground and what a great setting yeah. dinosaur park that like, yeah. After the, yeah. the aftermath. So you don't, you don't have to go through the whole exposition and of like how you got to this point. You just get to kind of start where the film like ends and mm-hmm. it's just chaos. That's great. <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, licensed games, Another one I want to highlight, probably the biggest surprise of the night, at least for me, was Arcane's Blade. Yeah. Uh, of course, based on the Marvel Comics character, uh, Arcane for those who... This is specifically Arcane Leon, which brought us, frankly, I think three of the best games of the last decade, Dishonored 1, 2, and Deathloop. And I love those games. Immersive Sims are great, but they historically do not sell very well. And so getting to see them bring their immersive sim and level design talents to... You know, Blade, not the most popular character, sure, but he's about to have a movie starring Mahershala Ali. I think this game is, you know, has the bones to be a huge hit and finally get Arcane like a massive blockbuster title that they deserve. So I know they just started development on this. This is probably at least two years away, uh, mm-hmm. but I'm in. I I loved this trailer. Just like the way it kind of like, you're like in this barbershop but you're seeing like on the news like there's a vampire problem in paris like you're you're getting a lot of like it's setting (laughs) the stage in a interesting way ah that shot he's got the blade like lights turn to red all the animation in this trailer is phenomenal that almost like ah, i don't want to say like it's the effect the spider into the (laughs) spider-verse like thing but the almost it's like a hexagonal like pattern overlay on the images. Mm-hmm. I'm not an animation person. 
everybody. I don't know what I'm saying. When you watch it, you'll know what I mean, but it looks, it just really looks good. And it itches this weird part of my brain that like, I saw that trailer and I was like, I, yes, I need it. I'm now fully invested in Blade as a character. Mm-hmm. Um, I already was because like, well, actually I have never read the Blade comics, but I really like Mahershala Ali. Um, so I know that that movie has had it's been in production <laughs> hell or purgatory for many, many years. Um, but, and I, I think I didn't play it, but I think um, Blade in Midnight Suns was a fan favorite. I remember seeing a lot of like positivity around that character from that game. So I think the fan base for this character is already growing. I'm curious to see how they're going to depict this character. If they're working with Marvel closely on like Mahershala's project. If like they're going to be similar, are they going to be very different kind of characters? It's that that will be a balance. They'll have to they'll have to figure out. Or like, is it like the Midnight Suns character? I don't know. Yeah, but I'm definitely sorry. I just yeah, I'm curious mind. what that's gonna look like once we do get the immediate side by side. Because I think this is gonna be one of those rare cases where. Uh, with like Spider-Man where you have both great films and a great game, like how are they going to match up? I think is going to be a big question. Um, I also, Caitlin and I were talking about this separately, but like we're marveled out, you know, it has been a lot of Marvel, like a lot of Marvel just constantly. And I'm looking forward to seeing what Blade does as a video game outside of the main Marvel heroes and out outside of the main universe just because it's a good break it's a good like way to still enjoy your superheroes and i'm i will forever be marvel over dc and this gave me that extra like okay marvel's not dead yet i am still excited i'm still looking forward to it and if we get this level of like emotion and, and anxiety from a character trailer that's like two seconds long then I'm very much looking forward to what the rest of the game is going to look like. But if uh, if I'm going to be honest, I am a little bit interested and nervous to see what gameplay looks like for this one. Because, again, Spider-Man, huge. Obviously, two very different th- teams. But when you put uh, two Marvel heroes side by side... You know who's gonna who's gonna win out as as the best Marvel game in the last couple of years? I'm I am excited, but I I am nervous to see what gameplay looks like. Yeah, good point about the Marvel fatigue. I think I mean that has certainly plagued many other Marvel games as titles in the last few years. Um, specifically, I think with characters that we're not accustomed to seeing original takes on. If mm-hmm. the Marvels games catalog has shown us anything just like taking a step back and just looking at them narratively marvel's avengers guardians of the galaxy insomniac spider-man games midnight suns they're all original takes no connection to the movies i imagine this will be the same um but even you know when the reviews are really good like guardians of the galaxy or not so good with marvel's avengers i think both failed to um have you know be a, a true commercial hit uh, because I don't think audience are as, audiences are as hungry for original stories about these characters as just seeing their favorite actors play them on screen. Whereas for decades now, we've been accustomed to Spider-Man stories. Um, 
Now, Blade doesn't really have that much of a legacy as a like a movie character. Frankly, mm-hmm. I, I think he's just cool. So I, <laughs> I hope that's to the benefit of the game character that people don't really have much expectations going in. But who knows? The fact that the movie is going to be in proximity to it will be a wild card. Yeah. I can't imagine yeah. they wouldn't be working side by side to see like what is similar, what is different, because you're going to have two media two media forms come out what it's not gonna be at the exact same time like but you're gonna have two stories about the same yeah, character but like in two yeah, forms but they they did that with wanda like the mm. director for the yeah dr strange yeah. Movie, they didn't even watch wandavision they didn't even know what wanda's story was in wandavision in their defense <laughs> yeah, they, they couldn't because they were being made at the same time yeah <laughs> uh Right, which is just the over <laughs> the Marvel entertainment. Yeah. Yes, there's a problem of sharing information that I would not be surprised if they're like, you make a Blade game and then you just come to us with what you want and we're either, either going to say yes or no. We're not going to give you information on what our other projects are like because they're just, they're like, projects are very siloed, it seems. Um, and to the detriment of characters. But this is a little different because it's a game. I don't think it, I think it would benefit if it was not tied to mm-hmm. the movie. Exactly. If it's just like, let arcane make the, make a good story and a using a very cool character. Like it doesn't even have to, it shouldn't matter that it's a Marvel character. It's just like, just make yeah. a good game and a good story. And people are going to be interested in it. Like it's not because the Marvel name is attached or like, the fact that something that happens in this game may show up in a movie or TV show. Like that's not why people are going to be interested in, in it mm-hmm. or not the majority. Yeah. You're going to have your handful that are super interested in like the multiverse and everything tying <laughs> together, but like uh, they're not pulling that off. So I would rather them to go back to how they originally started the infinity saga. And it was like, everything was separate. Uh, yeah. Yeah, go no, back to your point. roots. I'm, I'm pulling it up. Uh, Dinga Bakaba, which I'm sure I pronounced his last name right, and I apologize. He was the game director for Deathloop, game director for this. Um, you know, while would have loved to see the recipients get more stage time, like getting this, like Dinga was like freaking out, like for deservedly so. And it was amazing. It was one of the highlights of the like show, getting him like, you know, Blade kind of like in, influenced outfit on stage like just so excited to make this like flashing back to um salim for the tales of kanzara game like those were some of the highlights of the show for me getting to see the developers just so ecstatic to reveal these projects and be discussing them yeah um but enough about the (laughs) enough about the mcu the another universe i want my last announcement i want to talk about is the sega universe uh (laughs) because they announced five amazing looking revivals of classic franchises uh streets of rage shinobi uh so let's see how well i can do this off the top of my head streets of rage uh jet set radio and uh crazy taxi how can i forget crazy taxi uh these all look great what a surprise and um i don't know what a cool direction for sega as a publisher to embrace their kind of not forgotten, but, um, you know, IP that has been set aside for largely two decades. Yeah. I, okay. I haven't played, um, 
most of these games. I have only played Crazy Taxi. So watching this, I was like, oh, this all looks really cool. Like, you know what? I like Sega has just been one of those developers that has been my blind spot for a long time. Just I didn't grow up on the Sega games, Um, but I know tons of people, tons of people have. Um, Crazy Taxi was the exception. I love Crazy Taxi so much. I was thrilled to see this, see that part of this like package of games um that they are like now in development um yeah there's a really cool moment and an interesting way to announce just like a bunch of titles of what is it called the power surge or the sega yeah that was the name of the trailer mm-hmm. yeah like i don't know they're it's just like they're making it its own like branded thing of them yeah. like bringing all these games back it's it's a cool marketing thing but um mm-hmm. I, I liked it. Yeah, I'm in the same boat where like Sega kind of just falls below my radar, not for any particular reason, but I literally just didn't grow up on them. Um, and I am really this again, this trailer, this whole thing flew by me when I was watching the Game Awards the first time around. So watching it again, I was like, oh, my God, what am I looking at? This is so cool. And it like all pieced together. It is really cool to to see it become its own branded effort here and i i think it's a really great way of them being like hey don't forget about us like we're still here and i think it was really cool i think it was a really interesting way to get your games back on people's radars and on a platform that clearly makes sense uh while still keeping to like the iconic you know the eye as the initial thing before going into the arcade game like it's it's a very cool cinematic very cool trailer and i'm really excited to see what what this team does yeah, no, I, I'll link in the description a uh, Washington Post story that went live alongside this, or, or maybe the next day. Uh, Gene Park did an interview with um, some Sega executives about the creative direction behind this. And I think like you both pointed out, like getting one of these would be one thing, but seeing five games at once signals like mm-hmm. a positioning for Sega as a brand that we haven't seen in a while of, you know, they even acknowledge in the WAPO story about returning to kind of that punk uh, you know, alternative uh, identity that Sega was rocking in the 90s and early 2000s into the Dreamcast era. Um, so seeing them like throw that kind of identity and energy back on as a publisher is cool because I feel like, you know, understandably a lot of publishers these days don't really take on much of a identity or personality because their games are so wide and varied. But to see all of these at one time kind of embrace just a... Um, a more like punk aesthetic almost is mm-hmm. is rad. Yeah. Anything else that y'all wanted to highlight? I have so many. <laughs> I was I'm like trying to this whole time I've been sitting here I'm like what am I even gonna say next because I took too many notes. Um, I guess one of the other really big ones that we I talked about at the beginning of the podcast, um, but we haven't like talked about the actual like trailer reveal is the overdose or od Mm. by hideo kojima um just it's a it's a very short trailer um and very realistic looking and creepy and i truly don't know what this is um but i am (laughs) here for it uh we we know that hideo kojima will be working with jordan peele uh, along with some other creative storytellers that the, he has not announced yet. 
Um, I believe most people are probably going to assume that means Guillermo del Toro, given he is an expert when it comes to horror. And he was also the main collaborate, collaborator collaborator with Kojima <laughs> when they were working on the now canceled Silent Hill game. Um, so this is like, I am cannot wait to see what a full horror game by Hideo Kojima is going to look like. Um, we know that the Silent Hill game was released as a demo called PT, which when Jordan Peele came out, that door looked like the PT door. Um, and my notes, this is ridiculous. It's like Taylor Swift Easter egg. I can't believe they're like copying her. Um, that's a joke, but I just had to find a way to bring up Taylor Swift on the podcast. Um, but yeah, the, the game will be featuring Sophia Lillis, um, who's actress known for Dungeon and Dragons. She's, I want to say maybe the main character we see in the trailer. Um, she has a, a scream that made the hair on my arm stand up at the end of that trailer. We're not sure what she saw. You kind of just see this reflection in her eyes, um, along with Hunter Schaefer, known for Euphoria and Hunger Games, Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, who, once again, I'm advocating to be cast as Zelda. Um, <laughs> and then Udo, Udo Kier, who we also see in the trailer, is known for Flesh for Frankenstein. Um, truly creepy presence he has which is yeah I'm, I'm excited for that one so we we don't know much about it while Hideo was on on stage he did say that this will be a new form of media that it's not just a game and it's not just a movie um I I, I don't even know what that means like is he just saying words um <laughs> like like truly what does that mean I don't know it has me excited I can't even like begin to think about what that means. Is it like interactive and who knows? But yeah, I don't know when we'll see more of Overdose, but that that was the other big title that I'm excited for. Yeah, good shout. Definitely would be not a, a, an adequate Game Awards recap if we didn't touch on this. Um, yeah. yeah, totally get the uh the feedback and and you know criticisms of having kojima and peel on stage as long as they did but as a huge movie movie nerd seeing peel walk out to the us music was like <laughs> pretty epic uh yeah and uh kind of interesting in the press release they note that peel is one of many creative collaborators that will be working on this project so like are we getting guillermo del toro back who of course they partnered with for silent hills Kojima has been hosting a podcast with filmmakers and other creatives. Like, like, is that kind of secretly in the background been creative, like, you know, uh, shopping around for, for partners <laughs> for this game? I don't know. Nicholas winding Refn's another uh, director he's worked with before on like death stranding. So I don't know. Kojima's great at getting me interested in this project. So this is, this is no exception. Yeah. I, I'm excited for it. Um, a couple others I want to like shout out there. Well, there's one in particular it's called harmonium, the musical um, it's made by winter bottom, the developers for the odd gentleman. Um, I haven't played it, but the trailer really stood out to me. So it follows a young musician. She is hard of hearing, um, but is like, she is a performant performer to her, like to her core. She loves performing. We see multiple characters throughout the trailer. They're they all communicate through American sign language, some of them have hearing aids. Some of them do not. Um, 
but it's just like yeah it's this musical journey um which is what an interesting premise when you have a main character who's hard of hearing there's a lot of sign language um we know the games industry has been more inclusive and thinking about accessibility more over the years but this is like one of the first games i've seen that has truly embraced that to the core like the main the main purpose of this game is inclusion and accessibility um or that's just like really woven into this game so i don't know that that trailer really stood out to me i'm excited for it it looks really cute i love the art style um I love musical games and just like I've been wanting to learn more American sign language. So I'm glad we're getting more representation of that in, in games. Yeah. Good shout. It looks like, um, it reminds me of a Disney movie. I mean, like obviously that's probably what they're going for, but like the big eyes, the musical moments, like, I mean, very cool. Uh, we don't get, I mean, like you said, representation like this in game period, much less games operating in this sort of musical space either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I'll be keeping my eye out on that one. There's a couple others like the Don't Nod team um, who made Life is Strange, announced Lost Records, Bloom and Rage, their new like story-driven adventure mystery game. I love Life is Strange. We'll definitely be playing that um yeah for those watching there's a a clip of that on screen looks looks like a life is strange kind of game you've got a really diverse cast of characters i'm sure it's gonna rip my heart to shreds uh, as as the don't nod team likes to do and yeah and then i think i think i had one other um i have a few other i'll just say one other the last one is the casting of frank stone which is Supermassive's new single-player horror game. Um, They made the Dark Dark Pictures anthology series, but this game is actually set in the Dead Dead by Daylight universe, Um, which I'm not the biggest Dead by Daylight fan. I have watched a lot of people play it, though. Um, I totally get the appeal that that just kind of, that sort of game is not not for me but i like the setting of that world and that the anthology the single player horror games um i'm really into and this trailer was just really good it was like set to the song daylight by i already sam and i talked about this earlier david (laughs) god daylight david kushner david kushner yeah um which is it's just not the song you would think would be set to a, a horror game. Um, but I, I'm into this. I want to know who Frank Stone is. The ending, like you kind of get this close up of him as a character and he is truly terrifying. He kind of reminds me of like the mouth of Sauron. Like we can see his eyes and everything, but just how the 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 welder's masks kind of like pulled apart. Um like he he looks terrifying but in a way like there's a close-up i think of his eyes like almost kind of sad (laughs) not to personify this like horror character but like i just i don't know the the trailer sold me i'm i'm into it i i want to know more i want to know what does the casting of frank stone even mean um but yeah that that was another 
one that I I noted. Um, we talked about Exodus. I love sci-fi games. That that yeah, I'm totally for that one. It actually reminds me of a a space opera series I read called the Protectorate series, the Proletariat series, ah, something like that, by <laughs> Megan O'Keefe. Um, there's there are differences, but something about like the the gates and time travel and space and celestial beings and I don't know. That's this is just up my alley, as yeah. I often say when it comes to like sci-fi games and single-player narrative stories. Um, I can't wait for we'll see if Matthew McConaughey makes me sob like a baby while he's in space <laughs> again. Murph. Uh, yep. <laughs> Murph. Yep. 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 Um. I'm I'm sure he will because he just can't help himself. But yeah, that's, this uh, that is that trailer made me go watch Interstellar again. I wonder if that was why you watched it. Yeah, sucking like a baby movie. yet again. Yeah, every time. How'd you know yeah. I was coming back? Because you're my dad. I'm gonna start crying right now just thinking about it. <laughs> Makes me call my dad every time. I'm like, I just love my dad. <laughs> cool. I, mean, I am um, actually crying now. Someone talk and cut to them. <laughs> you got it. Nope. I'm on it. I have one more shout out, and that is for Day of the Devs and specifically for Loose Leaf. This game looks like so much fun. It's not necessarily TGAs. But it is, you know, tied to the Game Awards timeframe and especially giving indie games their spotlight. So I'm very excited for Loose Leaf. It's a tea witch simulator, which for my witchy girls, like that is right up your alley. Uh, it looks like it could be like a really fun VR game if it were to ever go VR. But it's it's just it looks so fun. It you're brewing tea. There's different elements to it. There's um, tarot card readings in it as well. Uh, it's developed by Kit Fox Games. So I'm really, I'm very excited to see uh, what they do here. It just looks so stinking cute. And I can't wait to see like what more comes from this outside of just, you know, brewing tea for your troubled guests. Yeah. I can Kit imagine Fox this doing games a lot made, uh, Yeah. Kit Fox Games made Boyfriend Dungeon. Yes. Ah. Yeah. Oh, and Paparazzi. I played that one as well. Um, I'm now going through. I think those are the only two I've played by them. They've got a lot, lot of games, but mm-hmm. I totally forgot about Day of the Devs. I did watch it. Um, I just, I didn't think about that when talking about the games for the Game Awards. But you're right. It's, yeah. um, I think, hosted by the Jeff Keighley team, and uh, was it I Am Eight Bit as well? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So, Thank you for shouting that out. Did I Am 8-Bit announce their like first game that they're actually working on? Um, oh, I believe they were. Which which game was it? Uh, I don't know. I can't find it right now. So just was it? Me. But I'm pretty um, sure they had times? a game. Yes. Was that what it was called? Yes. I think that is their first game that they're actually helping develop and publish um as a company we know i am Apit has like they've done a lot of like physical items for, like mm-hmm. games and vinyls and all that but they have in event spaces they do the summer games fest like the play days um listen but, to our episode yeah. to learn more about them <laughs> yes yeah we had um amanda and john their co-founders on sometime in the summer 
um, really just two really great people. And yes, this this was it. This was the trailer that I honestly just like really enjoyed the most while watching it called Simpler Times. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am. Yeah, I'm here for it. And they it's... have a demo. Oh, they do. Dem- yeah, the demo's available now. They don't have a release date for it just yet, but it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. I have it wishlisted and I really it. There's something so special about indie games that I just absolutely adore. And I can't wait to see what more comes out of this one because it really is just like, it has that childhood nostalgia and that feel good to it that I absolutely love and quite frankly crave sometimes when it comes to these big AAA games. Like they can be dark and intense and sometimes you just need something that feels good. And indie games will forever be the champion of feel good games. Yeah, this this game had a it's I mean it's called Simpler Times. It's a very cozy game and like you're I think you're set in the the main character's bedroom and you mm-hmm. have um control I think over the record player. I I know music, they're like lo-fi pieces has a big part of this game. Um so yeah, I think as you're changing records, maybe that changes the space. Um but yeah, you you kind of get to interact with this this girl's bedroom. Um, and yeah, it's supposed to just be like a very relaxing game to play. So, um, I almost want to, yes. Okay. I'm actually reading an, a piece by Engadget because I was trying to get more information. They said like simpler, simpler times sounds similar to Gone Home, which we've talked about as well. Um, the original like indie walking simulator, um, comparison's not one-to-one, but if you've played Gone Home, that's kind of giving that kind of vibe a lot of self-reflection you're in a small space it's very meditative um yeah that's that was another one from day of the devs that i liked nice well you can find all of those games that we discussed whether it was part of the game awards or day of the devs in the description we've started doing that the last couple weeks including all of the stories and games movies media we discussed you can find all of those names there, including Simpler Times. I'll also link to that Engadget story. Uh, anything else y'all want to highlight before we wrap up this week? I don't think so. I think yeah. just letting our listeners know we'll have um, one more episode before the Christmas or just like the holiday. We'll, we'll be off that week of December 25th um, as we will be relaxing at home watching christmas movies and <laughs> we'll talk about that when we come back uh the week after in the new year i can't believe we're already to 2024 i, I saying that hurts actually like i felt a <laughs> pain in my chest I felt the my yeah. time ticker going off <laughs> you can certainly say that again uh but yeah look forward to an episode next week we'll see you again two weeks after that uh, you can find us everywhere at uh, Real Time Strats. Email us questions at podcast at triplepointpr.com. Find links to find Caitlin, Mel, and I on social media in the description. And in the meantime, hope you all have a great week and thank you all so much for listening. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>